Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. On the show, so take advantage of that and get that taken care of. I'm excited. Coming up here at 4.30, we will be joined by Cameron Wolf. He's the Dolphins writer for ESPN. And the reason I'm bringing them on is because there is all this talk, and, and Bengals fans, like uh, people keep getting really pissed off at national media because they keep pushing the narrative that the Bengals might not draft Joe Burrow. National media goes off the assumption of, look, until they come out and say, we're taking Joe Burrow, we're not. We're just assuming that there's a chance that they're not. And I'm not going to lie, I think that if we weren't, I mean, look, the only reason we laugh at those at the notion that they may not take him is because we are closer to the team. We are. We follow all of the reporters. We kind of know more of the behind-the-scenes stuff of what is going on. National media doesn't give a rip about who the local ESPN or the local Cincinnati Bengals writers are, so they don't follow it as much. Okay, but the, what they do know is that the Bengals have not come out and said that hey, we are going to take Joe Burrow. They have yet to do that, and until they do, for the next three weeks, people will continue to speculate that well, you know. If they take Joe Burrow, if they take Joe Burrow, if they take Joe Burrow. So when you have the narrative out there that if they take Joe Burrow, there's a chance that they won't, which means there are avenues for other teams to come swoop in and get Joe Burrow. One of those stories and one of those storylines that's out there is that the Dolphins are doing everything that they can to be able to package enough picks to be able to go after Joe Burrow. And I think that's crazy. I I look as good as Joe Burrow is. I think three first-round picks, really? I mean, the Dolphins are willing to give up three first-round picks to go after Joe Burrow? Really? Is that is 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 he worth it? I mean, I, I know that he is worth the number one overall pick. I know that he is worth everything. When you have the number one overall pick, you have to take him. But then I started thinking to myself, well, I think it's foolish that the Dolphins are willing to give up three first-round picks to get him, because I think that's a lot. But then I started thinking, well... If there is some substance to that, if there is truth to that, if they are knocking on the Bengals' door saying, hey, we got three first-round picks for you, is it crazy that the Bengals are saying absolutely not? I mean, we're talking about three first-round picks. Now, I'm not advocating that the Bengals don't take Joe Burrow because I think they have to take him. But I also know that if a team knocks on your door and offers you three first-round picks all in the same draft, like, I don't like when, oh, we'll give you three first-round picks, our, 2019, our 2020 first-round pick and, and next year's first-round pick and a 2022 first-round pick. You know, we'll give you our first-round pick over the next three years. Three first-round picks spread out over three years, okay, that's, you know, it's, it's cool. It, we can work with it. But we're talking about three first-round picks in this year's draft in a year that you just won two games and lost 14, which clearly indicates that you have a lot more holes than just what the number one overall pick can address. But in the Bengals' defense, as we've talked about, and as we've been following for the last couple weeks, they are in a position now where they've addressed a lot of those issues. They've added veteran leadership to that defense. That defense was historically bad the last two years. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. They're one of the most improved teams. I, I saw that Vegas had the over/under on them uh, as, as, the, as far as the win total at about what five or six games. I think that's low. I, I, I truly think that 
there there is high expectations for Joe Burrow to win and to win right away. And I don't mean like win a Super Bowl, but I think if the Bengals draft Joe Burrow and they will, but when they draft Joe Burrow, if they only win five games, folks, that's disappointing. That's a disappointing season. I'm telling you right now. Sure, you can say, oh, you won three more games than last year. Oh, come on, he's only a rookie. Folks, rookie quarterbacks are coming in and having success. Rookie quarterbacks are coming in and they're punching teams in the mouth. I don't, like, this is not, and I think that Mike Brown knows this. Like, as much as, as crazy as this sounds, I got to give him credit here. I got to give Mike Brown credit because I think that he, he knows that the pressure is on. In fact, the safe thing to do is not to draft. Uh, you know, not to draft Joe Burrow because if Mike Brown lacked that competitive bone in his body, he would step away from the first overall pick drafting Joe Burrow. He would stick with Andy Dalton. Why? Because when you lose with Andy Dalton, it's just, well, that's just what's expected, right? We've seen it for so long, although Andy was a part of those five straight playoff appearances. Outside of that one year where his name was an MVP conversations, Andy Dalton has been just a little above average, hasn't been bad, hasn't been great. He's just, you know, a little above average. So Andy Dalton is the perfect quarterback for Mike Brown because Andy Dalton wins enough games to stay safe. Mike Brown's able to say, hey, we're winning some games. Sure, we would like to win more, but we're not a bad team. We're winning enough games here. Andy Dalton's the perfect quarterback for Mike Brown. What I worry about is Mike Brown when there's expectations because there's expectations right now. We saw this team get worse as the years went on when there was expectations. Uh, I, I, you know what I'm, you know what I mean. Like I, the Bengals did not do well with expectations under Mike with Mike Brown, especially recently. You draft Joe Burrow, you have to win. You have Joe Mixon, you have AJ Green, you have Boyd. Like there's no excuse. You sure you have a very questionable offensive line. And if they lose because they don't have a good offensive line, then guess who's going to be on this air, on this mic bitching and complaining about Mike Brown? Me. Because they've known about this offensive line issue for five years now, and they continue to ignore it and just pretend that the bad names that were bad the year before are all of a sudden going to be good the next year. It doesn't work that way. So that's where I'm at on that. This Bengals team has expectations to win and to win right away. And I'm not saying win a Super Bowl, but they should win eight to nine games next year. And I'm not joking. That defense, you loaded up that defense. You still have Atkins. You still have Dunlap. You added Reader. All right, you went out and you got Bell. You 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 improved your secondary. You know you still gotta. I want them to address linebacker a little bit more. But you know what? They've they've improved that to tad. Bottom line is that the Bengals are significantly better on the defensive side of the ball, and that's been one of their biggest issues the last couple of years to begin with. But their offense is going to be significantly better as well when you have a playmaking big arm quarterback like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow with A.J. Green, a healthy A.J. Green and a Boyd and a Mixon in the backfield, good for them. Good good for them. They'll be in good shape. But the over-under is 5.5 for them. I, that I do not agree with whatsoever. I think they have a lot more wins in the tank than that, and I think that they, they should win way more than five games. If, if, they, if they win what's expected of them being five to six games, that is a failure in my opinion. Do you agree? Thumbs up, thumbs down. What are your expectations for the Bengals in 2020? When you're, yeah, this 2020, when you see that Vegas has them at about five and a half wins on the season, I think that's low, and I think that's disrespectful. I think that this team is actually better than people give them credit for. This off season alone, they added probably three wins 
three wins alone just on the defensive side. And I think that the offense is good enough to win you five. I think you can win eight games if you are Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals in 2020. Bottom line. 457-9464. Social media side of things. You can reach out on Twitter at 1410Kenner. Uh, but I, I truly believe that the Cincinnati Bengals are a lot better than people give them credit for. All right, so I told you why I think that the Bengals are good enough to win eight games. Eight to nine games. Uh, you have that extra, you know, that that extra playoff, you know, that extra team in the playoffs this year. I think the Bengals could flirt with that as crazy and ridiculous as that sounds. So I just got done telling you why I think that the Bengals are in good shape. Now let's talk about why the Browns are in bad shape. Because I think that the Browns are in great shape from a roster makeup standpoint. But here's what I'm concerned about. I'm, you know, today there was a lot of media briefings, of course, with, in Cleveland uh, with, with the Browns and the coaching staff. And, and here's my concern. Baker Mayfield last year really struggled when – hold on, I've got to read this real quick. Someone just sent this in. Bengals 6-10 and 10 this year. Paul just sent that in. Uh, Paul, are you predicting that's what they're going to be, or was that what the over-under was? Are you correcting me, or is that your prediction? Just let me know on your response. Um, but 457 Tony tweets in. Are you high? No. <laughs> Are you high? No way that they win over five. To be clear, oh, his predi- okay. So Paul said he predicts that they go six and ten next year. Um, you know, about five or six, and that's about what the expectation is. I just think that Joe Burrow, if he's the real deal, I think that you know AJ Green healthy. I, I just think that they should be expected to win eight games. Is should be the expectation, in my opinion. Six is right around the wheelhouse of what a lot of people are expecting them to be. Tony on Twitter tweets and says, "Are you high? No way they win over five. Okay. Okay. I mean, I mean, trust me. If they don't, it'll just be another entertaining season for me. I mean, I'm telling you right now. But I also, I, I think that they're a lot better than even their fans are giving them credit for. Um, as far as the Browns are concerned, the Browns worry me. For a couple reasons. Baker Mayfield and that offense last year looked very sluggish because they had Freddie Kitchens running it and he had no clue what the hell he was doing. Now, I thought that by getting rid of Freddie Kitchens and bringing in Kevin Stefanski that that was going to be the ultimate fix from one year to the next on top of the fact that you added Hooper and that you added, you know, a lot of key people, you know, added Conklin. You're going to add more offensive line depth in the draft coming up. I, I like that. I, I, I love what they've done from a schematic standpoint, uh, from an improvement standpoint. But I will say this. The biggest issue last year was continuity with the Browns' offense. You had OBJ that did not work out with the team at all after being traded for from the Giants last year. That was the big hit on him, that he never once took time to go work with his quarterback in the offseason last year. The first time they worked together and were throwing routes was, again, when training camp started. That was flaw number one with those two. So this year I'm thinking, okay, and, and OBJ said that he would be working with you know, Baker right away. Well, because of the restrictions and everything going on in the world, that's the first concern I have is lack of, and, the, and every team is going through this, but there's a lot of teams out there that are heading into year two, three, ten, or 15 with their respective coaching staff. So there, a lot of teams out there at least have a familiarity with their coach. Even the Bengals, who might be getting a new quarterback in Joe Burrow, there's at least a familiarity of Zach Taylor coming into year two. Um, so there is that. But with the Cleveland Browns, my issue with them is that they really need Baker and that offense running a legit offense all offseason. And according to reports today, Kevin Stefanski, I mean, he's stuck in Minnesota still. Did you? I mean, he hasn't even moved to Cleveland. I didn't even realize that. Like he, <laughs> that was an, that was announced a long time ago, and his ass still is not in Cleveland. 
He's still in Minnesota. He's going to be doing the draft from Minnesota. Is that a huge deal? Maybe I'm making it a bigger deal than what it actually is. But I will tell you this. For the sake of Baker Mayfield in that offense, I don't think I think they need every second possible together and every second and every day that they are not together and running this offense. And again, this is an issue across the board. The COVID nineteen, I completely with the precautions there, keeping people apart. All I know is is that that's not good. Here's the other reason I'm concerned: Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. both recovering from surgery right now, both having off season surgeries. That's never. There's no such thing as a good surgery or a non, uh, you know, uh, uh, surgery you shouldn't worry about. Even the mo- even the simplest of surgeries are something to worry about when you're an athlete. Period. And I mean, there's so many different things that can go wrong during that stretch. But the fact that your two best wide receivers are both recovering from surgery in the same off season, in the same off season that it, it's our, there's so many limitations on how you can work out and where you can work out and who you can work out with, that's a problem. So Baker Mayfield, moving on from Freddie Kitchens, you still have yet to work out with your head coach. You've yet to be able to work out with Jarvis and OBJ this off season to get any kind of continuity going. Who knows whenever Hooper is going to be available to, to work out with him. I, I, that's my biggest concern. There's a lot that has to go on to get that continuity going. It's going to be a first year. You know, the Dallas Cowboys are in that same situation. You know, there's a lot of teams who have new head coaches. I mean, the Washington Redskins, same thing. So it's going to be interesting how these teams adapt and how they fight through that. And that's going to be key uh, for both. But new coaches, new system. No work has been put in yet as far as that's concerned. I mean, you still have your head coach living in Minnesota, has yet to even move to Ohio, has yet to move to Cleveland. Um, and you're talking about the NFL draft right now. A lot of teams are going to be behind the eight ball when it comes to the draft. They're not able to work out these players. Everything is going to be old school with the 2020 NFL draft. Everything is going to be on tape. The only thing that these coaches are going to be able to go off of is tape. And not that that's a bad thing. The draft's been done that way before. And it's worked fine. They just don't get to, you know, do all the measurements and all the stuff that some guys had done. Obviously at the, at the combine, but you know those are for rookies. We're talking about, you, you know, when you take a look at the draft coming up, you're not going to get to do those individual workouts. You're not going to get to see them up close and personal. You're not going to get to do those dumb psych evals where they're asking you these really personal questions. You know, they're asking parents in the past about their moms who were strippers. I mean, they're, the, the invasive questions that they would go into was just unreal. They would not leave any stone unturned. And teams felt that that was important and that there's enough data to support why asking those questions is important, that based on the results and the answers of those crazy-ass questions, those answers are able to give you a good indication of how much of a pain in the ass is this guy going to be off the field? Do we need to worry about this guy off the field? And like that, That's important. And a lot of our jobs would love to do that a little bit more. They would love to vet us a little bit more. They don't have time. But if, if jobs can if jobs can vet us a little bit more, I guarantee you that they would. They just don't have time. The NFL's always had time. That's why they're able to spend as much time with these guys as possible. So with that being said, you're already behind the eight ball. Your, your head coach is going to be, and again, they're all going to be video conferencing in to begin with. But bottom line is, it's just there's too many things not going right already. And although the, they've kicked ass in the free agent market, I'm not a big fan of the idea of your head coach still hasn't even moved. He's not even in the state of Ohio. He hasn't even moved to Cleveland yet, and it's been months since the announcement of Kevin Stefanski as head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you got some good free agent signings, yes, but there's been no workout on the field. Baker Mayfield needs, you know, heading into year three, it's a make-or-break year for him. 
He needs all the time he can have in that offense, and I get it, but there's limitations there. But then you have your two best offensive pieces in Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., both recovering from surgery. There's a lot going on. That's a lot to digest. That's a lot to chew on. And on top of that, they did add to their defense. They added, the, you know, a key defensive tackle. They added to their pass rush, uh, you know, earlier in the week. But they still have weak line. They have no linebackers. And their secondary, I'm not a big fan of their secondary. Right now, if you ask me, outside of the, and, and look, the Bengals adding DJ Reader uh, with Atkins and Dunlap there up front, that's great. But outside of defensive line, the Bengals' defense overall is better than the Browns right now at the moment. Period. Period. Four five seven nine four six four. That's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. But just something to keep in mind. But I also threw this out earlier. I completely get when it comes to the NFL draft. When it comes to draft picks, that first round picks. I mean, especially the first two rounds. I mean, that's key. You, you want to stockpile as many of those as possible. Uh, when you, have, especially if you are an organization that scouts well that does their homework, that knows exactly, that has a system. Like, that that's the other problem, too. Like, the, when you talk about the Patriot way, the reason that there's also a Patriot way is because you've had a head coach that's been there long enough that knows exactly what kind of player he wants and knows exactly what will work with his team and what won't. It's kind of hard when you have a second-year coach in Zach Taylor. We don't know what Zach Taylor's offense or defense is. We don't know what the Bengal way is yet. Actually, we do know what the Bengal way is. It hasn't been good. But we don't know what the Zach Taylor way is. What is the Zach Taylor way? What do what what does what do the Bengals need to fit the Zach Taylor model? We don't know. It's only a second year head coach. You know, what do you need on the defensive side to fit what the Zach Taylor way is? You know, Bill Belichick, you just know when free agency hits, you're not looking at the biggest, hottest names in free agency. You're looking at those middle-of-the-pile guys because those are the guys that, while everyone else is focusing on the Jadavion Clownies and the big names of the world, there's Bill Belichick looking at some random no-name guy in the middle of the pile that ends up turning into an all-pro the next year. So that's why. I mean, the, the Patriot way is just continuity. It's longevity. It's being able to sustain success over a long period of time, going on two decades now. That's the Patriot way. You know, there's Kevin Stefanski. There's no Stefanski way. There's no Browns way. You know, there's a Browns way just like there's a Bengals way, and they haven't been good. But as far as the head coaches are concerned, that's the problem. There's just no continuity. There's no consistency, and that's been the biggest issue. But that's what I worry about. That's what I worry about. We're always worried about the biggest names on the draft board, but why not? You know, the Patriots are very good at knowing who their guy is, what kind of guy that they want, and addressing those needs that way. But we'll get into more of that coming up. But like I mentioned, if the Dolphins are dumb enough to offer three first-round picks all in the same year for Joe Burrow, for one, is he worth it? That's the first question. And the second question I have is, if the if the Bengals are being offered three first-round picks, how, how do you turn that down at the same time? Like, take out who they are looking to draft in Joe Burrow. I mean, you are being offered three first-round picks. Three. And you're going to turn those down for Joe Burrow? Are you, that, are you that locked in? Are you that sure that you are able to go all in with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is going to take you to the promised land. He is the key and answer to all of your problems. If you could if you could check every box that says Joe Burrow could put us back on the map, he could put asses in seats, he could win us games right away as a rookie, and he could potentially put us as Super Bowl favorites in the next four years. If he checks all of those boxes, then there's not enough draft picks out there that can lure him away. 
But if there is not a gap between him and Justin Herbert in your eyes, and I, again, this isn't my opinion, I'm just saying, if they truly believe that there is not a big gap between Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa, that they can go out, you know, that they can go get love, that they can go out and get another quarterback with that pick a couple drops back, about, I believe six is where the Dolphins are, if they can get their guy there and still get those other two draft picks. Like, that's what is crazy to me. And that's what's crazy about what the Dolphins are doing. What does that say about Tua Tagovailoa? Because the Dolphins are in a great position here. They tried to tank for Tua, and they didn't even have to lose. You could still get Tua, and you didn't even have to fully tank to get Tua. You won games. You're going to get Tua. And guess what? You still have two first-round draft picks. To me, I think that the rumors out there that the Dolphins are looking to package those picks to be able to get a Joe Burrow, I think that's foolish. I think it's foolish. And that's why, because I think they're foolish, I would almost consider the Bengals to be foolish if they didn't at least consider it, especially if you could leave the draft in the first round with a Tua, with a Herbert, and still have two first-round picks on top of your second and third rounds. Man, like that's, that's a pretty good draft. But Joe Burrow is way more than just an arm. He is hope, he is excitement, and he is everything to Cincinnati that Baker Mayfield was to Cleveland. And that is just something that you cannot take away. I don't care what anybody says. Had the Browns drafted Sam Darnold, it would not have been the same. It would not have been the same. And there's many of you out there who will joke and say, yeah, they, they would have actually won this year. They would have been better. Baker, I'm not saying he wasn't the problem. His play was definitely the problem. But his development was not him. That was on Freddie Kitchens. That was on the horrible hiring of Freddie Kitchens. So that's something to keep in mind, too. The right fit. Joe Burrow is to Cincinnati what Baker is to Cleveland. Sam Darnold could have easily gone to Cleveland. Everyone thought that he for sure was going to be the number one pick that year. There was rumors that that Sam Darnold so badly despised the idea of being a, a Cleveland Brown that he almost contemplated returning to USC for one more season. Just like all the jokes and the comments about, you know, Joe Burrow potentially, you know, pulling an Eli Manning, we could have potentially saw the same thing from Sam Darnold. So I don't know. Like I said, the, the fit just matters. If we're talking about taking Justin Herbert at number one and the, and the Dolphins wanted to trade up to get him, you do it in a heartbeat. But like I said, Joe Burrow is to Cincinnati what Baker is to Cleveland. So how much truth is it? How much truth is there that the Dolphins are looking to package up their three first-round picks to try to acquire the first overall pick from the Bengals to get Joe Burrow? Well, we'll talk about that with the Dolphins beat writer from ESPN.com, Cameron Wolf. He joins us next. Don't go anywhere. 